0: Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Thanksgiving. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving with family and friends. As I said last week, our plans for this podcast and future work on our website have been postponed. All our plans are now pushed into 2024 to allow us to adjust to not having our family member with us. May you all be blessed of God in this wonderful time and season. Our episode last week, God's Suffering Servants, Part 3, was posted on November 19th. In that episode, we noted, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown told us, As an unloving man is narrow in heart, so the Apostle's heart is enlarged by love so as to take in his converts at Corinth, not only with their graces, but with their many shortcomings. We all have shortcomings. However, not all of us take in people with their shortcomings. We find issues with people's shortcomings and tell them all sorts of things, in our opinion, that will fix their shortcomings. When fixing or when such shortcomings are fixed, we receive them better. However, that is not the example set forth before us here in Scripture and commentary regarding the Corinthians who are our learning example. We also learned that the mouth speaks from what fills our heart. What fills your heart? If others understand this comment in Scripture, then it is pretty easy for others to know what is in your heart by how you speak. That you are saved and basically a good person, or. To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled God's Suffering Servants, Part 3, posted on November 19th. This week, Our study is titled, Thanksgiving. Our scripture reads, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. For you were made rich in every way in Him, in all your speech and in every kind of knowledge, just as the testimony about Christ has been confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. From 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 4 through 9. The object of thanksgiving is God, for as He is the author of all mercies, the glory and praise of them ought to be given to Him. What He particularly gives thanks to God for in this verse is, for the grace which is given you by Jesus Christ, and includes all sorts of grace, adopting justifying, pardoning, regenerating, and sanctifying grace, every particular grace of the Spirit, as faith, repentance, hope, love, fear, humility, self-denial, all are gifts of God and entirely owing to His free grace and not to man's free will and power, or to any merits of His. And all come through the hands of Christ and are given forth by him as the mediator of the covenant and in consequence of his blood, righteousness, sacrifice, and merit. Edited from the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. The first sentence tells us two things. First, the object of thanksgiving is god comma. yes here in these present days we have much for which we need to be thankful to god however the true object of our thanksgiving is god in this holiday season in our holiday of thanksgiving do we make enough room for god to be the object of our thanksgiving or Is he some afterthought, if we think of him at all? Maybe these two questions cause us to ask the question, why is that important? The answer is in the second half of John Gill's sentence, that being the second point to observe. He is the author of all mercies. Therefore, the glory and praise of them ought to be given to Him, Him being God. Many good things in life should be thought of as from God, and thus we should thank God for them. If no one does this, it should be reasonable to think that our Thanksgiving holiday would be, at the very least, an appropriate time for giving God thanks. After all, Our own pilgrims and the Native Americans gave God thanks for the good things that had transpired from what was initially accomplished by both Native Americans and pilgrims. Thanks to God was also given for the bountiful feast they enjoyed on this very first Thanksgiving. Even though in those days it was a celebration, and not as it is today, a holiday while this is not to be mistaken as an easy thing the end result was a day of thanksgiving verses 5 through 7 are one sentence in my bible and read for you were made rich in every way in him in all your speech and in every kind of knowledge just as the testimony about christ Has been confirmed among you, so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5 tells us that we are made rich, however, not with money. The explanation in commentary tells us that we are enriched. Notice that in everything you are enriched by him. This is still a continuation of the thanksgiving for this church, that they were quote, enriched, or plentiful and abundantly provided for by Christ, with all grace, with all the riches of grace, with his own unsearchable riches, of which they were made partakers, and the riches of glory to which they were entitled by him, and all which come to them through his poverty, which makes his grace in the donation of these riches the more illustrious. And particularly, the apostle is thankful that they were enriched by Christ. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Notice the categories of our enrichment that is spiritual and not monetary. We have in Christ riches of grace, unsearchable riches, and riches in glory. This is why it is said by John Gill that in everything you are enriched by Him. That clearly means we are not necessarily made financially wealthy or financially rich. We are spiritually enriched by Christ. We are plentiful and abundantly provided for by Christ. We are spiritually wealthy and abundantly provided for by Christ, with all the riches of grace, with His own unsearchable riches, and the riches of glory they are entitled by him, and all which come to them through his poverty. Through his poverty? That is correct. Whether it is about Paul, which it is, or us, we can be in what we call poverty, whether by lack of money, spiritual poverty, or both. After all, Paul was not a rich man at all from a financial point of view. He was rich spiritually, which allowed him to suffer his many sufferings. It should be noticed that which came to them through his poverty makes his grace in the donation of these riches the more illustrious, and particularly the apostle is thankful that they were enriched by Christ. Therefore, it should now be easy to see that Christ is the one who enriched Paul's spiritual life. In time, this is well past the death of Christ on the cross, yet Christ has somehow enriched Paul. We, too, can be enriched today, by Christ, just like Paul was in his day, we, as they were, are enriched in all utterance and in all knowledge that not only they had the knowledge of the truths and doctrines of the Gospel concerning the person, offices, grace, and righteousness of Christ in the theory of them, or a speculative notion of them but for the most part had a spiritual experimental knowledge of these things, and many of them had such large gifts of knowledge, elocution, meaning a style or manner of speaking, especially in public, and utterance, that they were richly qualified to preach the gospel to others, nay, even had the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit, so as to speak with diverse tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Notice how this commentary passage opens. In all utterance and in all knowledge. This is how they had all utterance and all knowledge. They... Not only had the knowledge of the truths and doctrines of the gospel concerning the person, offices, grace, and righteousness of Christ in the theory of them, or a speculative notion of them, but for the most part had a spiritual, experimental knowledge of these things, and many of them had such large gifts of knowledge, elocution, again meaning a style or manner of speaking, especially in public, and utterance that they were richly qualified to preach the gospel to others. As saved in Christ, are we richly qualified to preach the gospel to others? Do we possess The spiritual experimental knowledge of these things? Notice too, they had such large gifts of knowledge, elocution, and utterance that they were richly qualified to preach the gospel to others. Do we possess large gifts of knowledge, elocution, and utterance that we are richly qualified to preach the gospel to others? I ask this question again because your personal answer to it is very important. Further, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, by quote, the testimony of Christ end quote, is meant the gospel of Christ, which bears a testimony to his deity, his incarnation, his obedience sufferings and death, His resurrection from the dead, ascension to heaven, session at God's right hand, and intercession for the saints, to redemption by His blood, justification by His righteousness, pardon and atonement of sin by His sacrifice, and complete salvation by His obedience and death. This, as it had been preached to the Corinthians, was confirmed and established among them by the signs and miracles with which it was attended, by the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit, particularly of prophecy bestowed on many of them, and by the internal power and energy of the Spirit, accompanying and applying it to their souls from the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. First, we note that by the testimony of Christ is meant the gospel of Christ. It bears a testimony to his deity, his incarnation, his obedience, sufferings, and death, his resurrection from the dead, ascension to heaven, session at God's right hand, an intercession for the saints to redemption by His blood, justification by His righteousness, pardon and atonement of sin by His sacrifice, and complete salvation by His obedience and death. This tells us that Christ did it all for us. I think that alone is something to be thankful for this Thanksgiving holiday. Verse seven reads, so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will appear a second time, come in great glory, will raise the dead and judge both quick and dead, when gifts will cease and be of no more, and when they must All be accounted for, and therefore, till that time comes, should be diligently made use of and improved to the interest and service of Christ, who will surely come again and call his servants and churches to an account for the talents he has entrusted with them, and whose coming is to be believed. Loved, looked, and hoped for by all that love him in sincerity and truth. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. We should observe that until his appearance for a second time, our present time should be diligently made use of and improved to the interest and service of christ who will surely come again and call his servants and churches to an account for the talents he has entrusted them with and whose coming is to be believed loved looked and hoped for by all that love him in sincerity and truth i think that clearly states what we need to know, and what to do in these days. Verse 8 reads, He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will strengthen us to the end? Really? For the express purpose? That you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, the author of this blessing of confirmation is not the Lord Jesus Christ, though he is mentioned in the latter part of first Corinthians chapter one, verse seven, and seems to be the antecedent to the relative quote, who end quote, in this but is not, for this confirmation is made in him, and besides, it is in order that the saints might be blameless in the day of Christ, and so must design some other person distinct from him, which is God the Father, to whom the apostle gives thanks, and continues to do so unto this verse in which he assures the saints of confirmation in grace by God, the author and giver of all grace, and which may be understood of their confirmation in the love and favor of God, from which there can be no separation, and of their establishment in the person of Christ and in the doctrines of grace and of the permanency of the grace of the Spirit in them, and of their perseverance in faith and holiness unto the end, that is, of their days, even until the day of Christ, when the good work begun in them shall be performed and finished, that is, forever, ever, As the Ethiopic version reads it, For the love of God to his people always continues. Their interest in Christ can never be lost. Grace in them is an immortal seed. Nor shall they be ever finally and totally moved away from the hope of the gospel. That you may be blameless, not in themselves, for no man is without his faults. None of God's children are without their failings and infirmities. They have, wherefore, to blame themselves, and may be blamed by God, too, in a providential way. But they are so in Christ, their head, being justified by His righteousness, and washed in His blood, and so in the sight of God, as considered in Christ, and will appear such in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he shall descend from heaven and take his saints to him and present them to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. In this commentary passage of John Gill's, we want to note two things. First, for the love of God to his people always continues. Their interest in Christ can never be lost. Grace in them is an immortal seed. Nor shall they be ever finally and totally moved away from the hope of the gospel. It is very important to notice these four things as follows. 1. The love of God to His people always continues. 2. Your interest in Christ can never be lost. 3. Grace in you is an immortal seed. 4. You shall never be finally and totally moved away from the hope of the gospel. Items 1 and 3 tell us, The love of God to His people always continues. Grace in you is an immortal seed. Items 2 and 4 tell us, Your interest in Christ can never be lost you shall never be finally and totally moved away from the hope of the gospel. That last combination of thoughts should be reassuring to you, no matter where you are right now in your walk with Christ. Maybe you are in an awful place right now, with little, if any, hope of it getting better anytime soon. Maybe, for this reason, you have not praised God And or prayed to God for some time. Yet, we can rest assured that our interest in Christ can never be lost. We shall never be finally and totally moved away from the hope of the gospel. While this may seem to be the opposite side of the coin, so to speak, it is not, and you have not lost your salvation if there is any truth to John Gill's comments. For even you will be there when the day of our Lord Jesus Christ comes, when he shall descend from heaven and take his saints, you and me, to him and present us to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Does this sound like once saved, always saved? Yes, it does, because once saved, always saved is true. If it is not, then John Gill's comments are also untrue. Our last verse, verse 9, reads God is faithful, by whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In closing, The New John Gills exposition of the entire Bible tells us, God is faithful by whom you were called. These words contain arguments assuring the saints of their confirmation in grace and of their being preserved blameless to the day of Christ, taken from the faithfulness of God, who is always true to his promises, whatever he has said. He will do it. He will never suffer his faithlessness to fail. And since he has made so many promises concerning the establishment of his people and their preservation to grace, they may assure themselves of them and also from his having called them by his grace. For whom he effectually calls by his grace he glorifies, and particularly from his having called them unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to partake of his grace, and to be heirs of glory with him, to enjoy communion with him in private and public exercises of religion, which is an evidence of being in him, and of union to him for it is not merely into the fellowship of his saints or churches but into the fellowship of his son they are said to be called and such are members of christ of his body of his flesh and of his bone and shall never be lost and perish but shall be confirmed to the end Be preserved in him blameless, and presented to him faultless, and have everlasting life. Pay close attention to this last portion of what John Gill said. They, us, are said to be called, and such are members of Christ, of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones and shall never be lost and perished, but shall be confirmed to the end, be preserved in him blameless and presented to him faultless and have everlasting life. Next week, our four-part Christmas series begins. It is titled, Then and Now, Part 1. Next week, we will begin to answer the question, how do you comply with traffic instructions or filling out forms for a student grant? The question is larger than that. That much alone is a lot to answer. To find out more and how this is a Christmas message, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts or. Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, A Listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at h t t p s Forward slash, forward slash the church of the unchurched dot org please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen or spaces in unchurched. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website has more information links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item we are found on podcast platforms like itunes google podcasts amazon podcasts and spotify to name a few we refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on sundays east coast time usa these sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.